now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 201. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news views and reviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. And for you first-time listeners, great to have you on board. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of the website techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Azus challenges Apple with its new ZenBook 3. Dyson enters the lighting business with revolutionary new LED lamps. And 360 Fly launches its first 4K 360-degree camera. In the Tech Guide interview, we chat with Norton's Mark Gorry about our lack of security on our smartphones. And in the Tech Guide reviews, we'll check out the new Vivid Wireless home internet service without cables. And we also check out the massive Braven XXL Bluetooth speakers. And we'll finish things off with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you, your family, and your devices safe online. Lots to get through, so let's jump straight in. Well, over in Taipei, the Computex show has just kicked off, and one of the biggest announcements to come from the show that we've heard about is from a company, computer company, Azus, and they've launched a new laptop called the ZenBook 3, and they've made no secret of the fact that they are taking this game right to Apple's doorstep. They, they proclaim that this device is thinner lighter and more powerful than Apple's MacBook, which was launched last year. The ZenBook 3, it's made out of aerospace-grade aluminium alloy. It's got a 12.5-inch display, but it's just 11.9 millimetres thick and weighs in at just 910 grams. Pretty light, pretty attractive. By comparison, Apple's MacBook has a 12-inch retina display, and it's 13.1 millimetres thick and weighs 920 grams. Now, in terms of uh, the, the, the power of the processor, the ZenBook 3 is powered by Intel's Core i7 processor. The MacBook is has an Intel Core M3 processor on board, which Azus claims is twice as fast. Their processor, the i7, is twice as fast as that M3 silicon on board the MacBook. But the two devices, side by side, they look very similar. And one, there are some similarities, apart from the designs. One of the similarities is the fact that they have a single USB-C port. That's the new type of port that's on the MacBook that can do data, power, can do everything through that one port. 
and they've also got a single headphone jack as well. Being so thin, you can't fit in regular USB ports. A USB-C port, uh, you can fit in because it's a lot smaller than a regular USB 3 port, for example. The ZenBook 3 also has 16 gig of RAM on board. That's pretty generous. A gig of uh, solid-state drive, SSD storage on board as well. There's also a fingerprint scanner too to increase security on the, uh, the ZenBook 3. And, of course, the ZenBook is running Windows 10, while the trusty MacBook is running iOS uh, 10.6, I think we're up to now. So that is that could be the differentiator. I don't think people are going to jump ship just for the sake of a couple of millimeters. I know it's a great way to market a product and, and get attention is by screaming from the rooftops when you've got a device that's thinner than an Apple product. But I think customers are going to buy maybe not according to that size, although that size is attractive, especially if you're a Windows user and you want to continue to use Windows, then the ZenBook may be your next device. But the battle between Asus and Apple, I think, apart from them stating how many, how, how thick their devices are, I don't think it's going to be any further than that. I don't think a Mac user is going to jump ship to buy an Asus and vice versa. I don't think a Windows user is going to jump ship for to save, or for the sake of a couple of millimeters, to buy a MacBook either. But we're looking forward to getting that device in our hands. The Australian release date and pricing has yet to be announced, but we are looking forward to that day. You can read all about the Asus ZenBook 3 at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Now, Dyson is a company we've spoken about a few times in, on, the, on the show, and mainly, though, it's, it's all about their, their vacuum cleaners or their fans, but never for lighting. And the, the lighting products they've just announced, that's a first for Dyson. They've entered the lighting business. Now, they've announced a new LED desktop task light as well as a floor lamp. Uh, they've also uh, introduced a suspended CU beam light as well, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But these products are from Jake Dyson, who is the eldest son of James Dyson. James Dyson, of course, the head of the company and the designer inventor of the vacuum cleaners and, and those products that we've spoken about in the past. Jake Dyson is his son, and he has led the charge with these new LED lamps. And in typical Dyson fashion, these are just uh, a reproduction of existing technology. They have redesigned the light and the lighting system behind it from top to bottom. So not only does it look amazing, but there's also new technology on board to differentiate it from the competition. Now, one thing about LED lights is they have a, a problem with overheating. If you put too many LED lights together, they do produce a, a huge amount of heat. So that was one of the uh, challenges that Dyson faced. So when it comes to cooling the light, they use this heat pipe technology. Now, how that works is the heat pipe is actually a sealed pipe. Uh, there's a, it's a vacuum sealed, so there's a vacuum inside. The only thing inside is a single drop of water. So what happens when it senses heat, the water turns into vapor and moves away from the heat source and takes the heat away with it. And then it condenses back into water again and then comes back to the other side. It continually draws heat away from that source. And as a result, they're able to fit in eight 
high-powered LED lights positioned just 8 millimetres apart. So having them so close together on a normal product without a heat without a heat solution, without a cooling system, uh, would compromise not only the quality of the light, but also the lifespan of the light as well. Now, in design terms, the Dyson lamps, uh, they consist of a large a mast, if you like, so the main stand of the, la- of the lamp, and there's also an arm that can move not only in and out, but also up and down on the on the main on the main shaft there so it's a it's what they call a three axis glide motion and because there are counterweights built and it's so well designed it only just takes a touch a very easy touch of the finger to move the the light in and out or the light up and down so uh, that, that's, that, that's these, this eye-catching design that you'll see with that new Dyson lamp. Now, the, the lamp, the desk lamp's called the CSYS, which is spelt C-S-Y-S. How you pronounce that? I think I pronounce it right. Uh, that is the, there's a floor, there's a desk lamp. There's also a clamp as well, so it can be clamped on the side of the desk. There's also a floor lamp as well. And these lights, designed to stay bright for 144,000 hours. That's more than 35 years of use if you're using it for the regular amount of time during the day. The other light was the CU beam. Now, this is more a commercial solution, and this, as its name suggests, hangs from the ceiling and can illuminate an entire boardroom from a single LED light source. And it, too, uses that heat pipe cooling technology to keep that LED light cool. So cool, you, it, it's cool enough to touch. You couldn't, wouldn't dare touch an LED light when it's, when it's on because it's so hot. But with the Dyson, you certainly can. The CSIS collection, the desk light is 850, the clamp light is also 850, and the floor model, the larger model, is $1,200. The CU beam, no price announced for it just yet, but it will be very, very soon. If you want to check out those Dyson lights, check out that amazing design and those prices, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Now, you may recall late last year, we got our hands on the first 360 fly, 360 degree camera. This was the HD version that we reviewed. Uh, I think you, if you may recall, I did uh, attach it to the front of my kayak and took it out uh, on the, on the harbour and you were able to view the videos uh, panning left, panning right, so you can see everything that's happening at the same time. So the, the, it records in every direction all the time. So any video captured, later on you can view it and then see what is happening front, back, left, right and behind simply by tracking left and right just with your finger on a, on a touch screen or by moving your phone around or by wearing a VR headset as well so you can appreciate the full 360 degree video. Well, the, there's a new 360 fly that's been released, and that is the 4K version. And apart from its resolution, there are plenty of improvements that I'm going to run through right now. The first improvement is the ability to, sh- to shoot a point-of-view mode, point-of-view shot. So rather than you shooting 360 degrees at the same time, you can choose just to shoot what's in front of you. So the point-of-view is what you'll capture. 
Now, when you're shooting in 360 degrees in 4K, that's a resolution of 2880 by 2880. So when you're shooting point of view, you're getting a resolution of 2560 by 1440. So a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Like every other action camera, you'll shoot just your point of view. So that's one mode if you don't want to shoot in 360 degrees for you to use. When you do shoot in 360 degrees, it's obviously ideal for if you're out, you're enjoying some kind of outdoor activity uh, as you would a normal action camera, but in this case, you're shooting 360 degrees. In my case, I took it out on the kayak. You might take it out on paddleboard, surfing, skateboarding, mountain climbing. You may even take it on a holiday. Imagine capturing the sights of a mountain range or a forest or Times Square or any other tourist attraction in 360 degrees. There's so many uses for it. You may just place it in a birthday party, capture everything that's happening at the birthday party, a board meeting, so many uses for it. Some of the other new features uh, include time-lapse. So now you can capture 360-degree time-lapse videos, which will be really interesting. You can also access data. It's got a telemetry feature where by using your GPS location, you can tag locations and also know uh, with the combination of the altimeter and the accelerometer, you can also track things like your altitude and the speed you happen to be traveling as well. There's more memory on board, 64 gig of memory. So uh, the the HD version only had 32 gig of memory, but now with the higher resolution, needs more room. 64 gig, you can fit about 90 minutes of four K video. The color coding is also easy to recognize. Not only are there colors around the actual button, but also around the collar of the camera, so you know exactly just at a glance what mode your camera is in. Because it, there are different colors when it's in standby, when it's charging, and when it's recording. So really easy to see that. There's also the possibility of live streaming. So you'll be able to live stream your 360 degree video to family and friends in the near future on Facebook and on YouTube. It is possible to go one-on-one with the Livit app, that's L-I-V-I-T. So one person, one of your friends can see what you're doing in 360 degrees, uh, no matter where you are. The 360 Fly 4K on sale already from JB Hi-Fi and other specialty channels. It's priced at $849.95. If you just want to stick with the HD version, that's also available and priced at $649.95. And we're going to have a review of the 360 Fly 4K camera shortly. We've already reviewed the 360 Fly HD camera. You're more than welcome to see the story about the new camera and also our old review at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Our Tech Guide interview this week is with Mark Gorry, who's Norton's director in the Pacific region. And we were speaking to him about an interesting, an interesting uh, survey uh, conducted by Norton all around smartphones and our lack of security that we have on those devices. It's surprising that, according to this survey, the research revealed that two-thirds of Australians who took part in in the study did not have any security software on their smartphones. And a third, 33%, didn't even have a password or a PIN on their devices. Now, this is alarming for a number of reasons. Apart from the fact we have sensitive information on our devices, we often do our banking on our devices, so there's financial information. But we also use our smartphones to control other things, so connect to our fitness devices, connecting to our home entertainment systems, our home entry systems, lighting, smart home appliances. 
So there is a vulnerability that if your smartphone's compromised, it could be a gateway into these other devices as well. Well, we caught up with Mark to talk to him about this really serious issue, and here's what he had to say earlier. Well, hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Guy podcast. It's, it's already understood that we really need to be careful with our computers and, and anything that we connect online, of course. But our mobile devices is also another thing we need to worry about. And, but the, the research that I'm seeing here from, uh, from Norton suggests otherwise, that we're, we're not taking the care we should. That's right. Um, we, we, did, we actually did the test to try and get some insight to how people are using uh, mobile apps and, and the emergence of Internet of Things devices, uh, just to see if pe- you know, the concern around that and if people are actually protecting themselves. And Look, it is quite interesting. Um, we ran this research across five countries, and as it turns out, Australia came out highest in terms of app usage, uh, related to connected devices, so it is very common for us to be using apps, um, and we uh, predominantly use it for mobile banking was a big area. But what was interesting from previous research that we've done um, uh, done before, uh, 66% of people don't have mobile security actually on their uh, their smartphone, and even 33% don't even have a password to protect that device. So clearly, the usage of apps. Um, you know, the concern around being potentially hacked uh, mm-hmm. through an app, but it doesn't correlate to the security measures that people are actually using. And how, how, does, that, how does that relate to you, your, your information on how many people have got security software on a computer? That would be a lot higher, I'm imagining, than on a smartphone. Absolutely. So how, how does that compare? Like, well, what's the figure for the computers? And then now we're talking smartphones. Windows-based PCs is very high. Um, um, there is... Um, the, I don't have the exact number with me, but... Um, but it's higher than... Oh, than yeah, smartphone. absolutely, a yeah. A lot higher. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It'd be sort of 80% plus, because mm-hmm. most people, over the years, especially many years ago when viruses started to emerge, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people um, realised the need for, for uh, security. But as mobile uh, become bigger, I think a lot of people didn't see the, the threats there. The threats have emerged uh, in the research that we see. Uh, we've seen a lot more threats. Uh, last year, we scanned approximately 11 um, million mobile apps. Approximately 30% of those were malicious in some way. Uh, so it is quite high. There is a lot of bad apps mm-hmm. out there. So people need to be concerned and start taking those measures to protect these mobile devices. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I understand, too, that part of the research showed that a lot of people, they wouldn't be worried about if people access some, the material on their devices, their photos and videos and text messages, they're not concerned. Yeah, that did come out. Uh, surprisingly, uh, nearly one in ten people had no concern whatsoever the, of what gets hacked. Um, and also other Internet of Things devices that we're starting to see, like baby monitors or home access systems, um, you know, security cameras, uh, people have a lot less concern for those being hacked. But what's interesting is a lot of people use the same passwords for multiple accounts. So... You know, if one of these other air, like other apps, did get hacked, potentially their banking app may now be exposed because they're part of the same password that they yeah. used. Um, so yeah, so I don't think people are connecting, you know, mm-hmm. hacking and what that means for other areas. Sure. Just before we move on to the Internet of Things devices, the, I, I get asked this question a lot: uh, on people using Android devices, people using iOS devices. Does everyone need security? Is iOS not without danger? Can you can you set the record straight there? What we've seen is Android. We have seen a lot more threats related to the um, 
uh, Android network, yeah. uh, and that's it's more because it's it's open. Uh, yeah. Obviously, people can develop a lot more um, apps for that. iOS, Apple, obviously, try and lock down that um, uh, that environment, um, you know, and it has worked quite well. There's definitely been a lot less threats uh, on the iOS uh, network, uh, but recently we have seen attacks and. Uh, malicious apps can get through, so it is not a hundred percent perfect. So, uh, things that people can do to protect themselves, you know, it's key that they, yeah. you know, they're doing something naturally. There's a lot more people using Android, just as like there's a lot more people using Windows. So it goes back to that whole, I'm on a Mac, I'm safe, but that's not the case, isn't it? People, anything that connects to the internet, people need to be secure. They do, and especially now with the mobile devices, they're becoming so central. Um, and you know, obviously, the Internet of Things is a big area, and the mobile device seems to be central to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the connections, how people manage these new devices, mm-hmm. uh, the mobile has become very central to yeah. that. So it is m- more yeah. critical than ever. Well, the smartphones kind of become the remote control of our lives now. Eh? And just Absolutely. talking about the Internet of Things, you mentioned the baby monitors. I've heard of cases of smart TVs being hacked, and cameras and things like that this is a reality isn't it this is the next frontier that we've got to concern ourselves with and protect definitely it is Um, the explosion of internet of things um, there's a lot of great devices which are coming to market but I think part of the challenge that we're seeing is as vendors uh, rush to get products to market security is a bit of an afterthought uh, which is why we've seen a number of uh, devices which have security holes Um, But what this, uh, and part of the research that we did was to highlight that, um, you know, the mobile itself is also another, you know, it's not directly with the device itself. Yeah, there has been, you know, security holes and a lot of the the research is showing attacks related to those devices. But if that particular device has been controlled by the mobile phone, if that is hacked and can take control, then it is another attack mechanism. Absolutely. So... What do we do to protect ourselves? What, what, what are the steps we need to take? In terms of mobile devices, one of the key things is make sure the device itself is being updated and also the apps that are on there. A lot of updates do actually have security updates as part of them. Yeah. So as new vulnerabilities are discovered, uh, typically vendors are, are doing updates for those. So it's key that people are updating their devices and the apps. Uh, use mobile security from a reputable provider. Uh, it's very critical. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of malicious apps out there. Um, so Norton Mobile Security is, is one that we obviously uh, released to, to cover the, the smartphones. Mm-hmm. Um, download apps from uh, like the Apple uh, App Store or Google Play. There's obviously more security measures around the apps that get up on those stores. Uh, there's obviously a lot of third-party stores which doesn't necessarily have the same rigor in terms of security. Mm-hmm. So best to get it from the official app stores. Uh, we also see a lot of apps that ask people to switch off certain features to help, you know, give give the the app access. Beware of those, you know, disabling settings that ultimately are helping protect you. Um, you know, be wary, best not to be opening up access to a lot of things for apps. In terms of IoT devices, similar kind of thing, keep the device updated. Again, as mentioned, there's a lot of devices coming to market, threats are being discovered, so there's firmware updates being released to to, uh, help protect these devices. Uh, So keep them up to date. Uh, Use strong passwords. Uh, Most of these devices do have passwords. Best to set a strong, unique password. Uh, it's amazing how many people never change the default 
uh, password, mm. and we saw seen examples in the past with the the, the Russian webcam yeah. attack, where just looking for default passwords, so best to change the default to something unique and strong. So as soon as you get, as soon as you set it up, change the password change right away. Change the password, yep, yeah, right. and set it up. Okay. Um, and use secure connections. So best a hardwired connection through a LAN uh, network is best. Yep. Uh, if you are using a wireless network, uh, use encryption. So for most people. On their Wi-Fi, that's uh, like a WPA2 sure. encryption protocol. Well, plenty of food for thought, and yeah, we, we have to protect ourselves, whether it's on mobile or computer. We really thank you for your time, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they're introducing the Arlo Q. This is an AC-powered 1080p full HD camera with audio and enhanced night vision that lets you see and hear from anywhere in perfect detail. Arlo Q is designed to deliver the best experience indoors and it comes with two-way audio so you can listen and talk back and forth. That means you could pop in to see how things are going at home while you're out. You can set motion alerts to let you know if anything moves and use seven days of free cloud encodings to store a video record of events online. Arlo, it keeps every angle covered. For more information, visit arlo.com forward slash au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. All right, our first story in the Tech Guide reviews is a service, a internet service uh, called Vivid Wireless. Now, Vivid Wireless is a 4G LTE service that allows customers to connect to the internet without cables. Now, you can already do that with a normal 4K dongle, but what we find with those products, they're designed to be used out and about and often only include a small amount of data and cost a fair amount of money per month. What Vivid Wireless is aiming to do is give customers a wireless solution at home in case they maybe not have a phone line or don't have access to a cable. So it gives them access to a home service wirelessly. And the the home gateway, which is built by Huawei, is your modem that's simply connected to your PowerPoint and fire it up and it will connect to the 4G LTE network, which is a combination of Vivid Wireless's own infrastructure and also Optus infrastructure. I should point out Vivid Wireless used to be unwired back in the day and was also bought out by Optus in 2012. So a combination of Vivid Wireless's own network, uh, 4G LTE, purpose-built for data, uh, as well as Optus infrastructure as well. It's available in Australian capital cities, so Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth, and in those metropolitan areas, so around those capital cities. The service uh, is activated once you connect your modem and it connects to the network. Uh, then you, the modem itself has, like a regular router, has Ethernet connections and does create a Wi-Fi network for your home. So you connect your smartphones and tablets and laptops and smart TVs and gaming consoles, whatever you need, wirelessly through that modem. So the service comes in, so it captures, it taps into the 4G LTE service and then can distribute that through your home. So no need to wait for someone to install a modem, snake cables through your house and and do anything like that. 
it can connect wirelessly. Now, there's two ways to get hold of it. You can get online. You can also check your area for for your coverage. So if you if you do type in your address, it'll tell you whether Vivid Wireless is available in your area. And you'll also have 14 days to test out the service. So there's a 14-day money-back guarantee where even if you've tested, you, you've, you've checked your coverage, you've gone home, set up the service, and it's no good, uh, it's not fast enough for you, doesn't meet your needs, doesn't meet your expectations, then you can get, a, get your money back. The modem, about the size of a book, a paperback book, can sit uh, pretty pretty discreetly. It links to the company's 2300 megahertz 4GE, 4G LTE network. And as I said, combination of its own infrastructure and the Optus network. So uh, there's a SIM card on board as well that can only be used with the Vivid Wireless Gateway. And that links your the device to the network and then allows you to, to access that wirelessly in your home. So still can you can still create a Wi-Fi network within your home once the uh, gateway is activated and connected to that 4G network. You can order online, choose your plan. Plans start at 29 bucks a month, and you get 10 gig of data for that. Moving up to the $59 plan, you'll get 40 gig a month. And if you want to go unlimited, you can pay $89 a month. You can go month to month if you like. Or you can uh, go on a 24-month plan. If you go month to month, you have to pay $199 for the modem. You go 24 months, modem is free. So no upfront costs. There are also no excess data charges. So if you do go over your data allowance, you'll just be throttled back to 64 kilobits per second. So really worthwhile. If you don't have access to a phone line, you don't want maybe, some people don't even want access to ADSL. They're, they're not interested in cable. They may be renting their home. They may be a student. They, 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 they can move around. They, they, they don't, they're not locked into their, their connection in their home or their apartment, wherever they happen to be living. That You can even, if you move house, for example, you can pick this modem up and take it with you. Even if you want to take it down to the cafe, you can take it with you as well, as long as you've got reception down there, which they are likely to if it's not far from your home. Uh, and all then all you need to do is plug it into a wall socket because it, it needs power for that for that to work. So you can literally take it with you wherever you go. Not a, not an easy thing to do if you've got a if you're a cable or an ADSL customer. You want to check that out if for anyone who was interested in that wireless connection. And the wireless speeds will obviously depend on where you live, but I, I have heard well in my home here. Uh, the, the the service was a bit scratchy. It didn't give me the, the too too great a speed. But in, if you're living closer to the city and other areas like that, you'll be very satisfied. I have heard of other people who are on the service. They can stream Netflix uh, through it. It's going that fast as well. So if you want to check it out, vividwireless.com.au is their site. But I've written it all about all about it at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Next up, we're going to talk about the Braven BRV XXL Bluetooth speaker. This is pretty much for those of you, those listeners who have a go big or go home attitude when it comes to your products. And if you're you're after a big speaker, then this is the product for you. It's not called XXL for nothing. This is, as typical Braven speakers, really well put together, rugged construction, so you can take it anywhere. So if you drop it or get, drop your sand on it, dust, dirt, 
Uh, it's it's going to handle it, not a problem. It's also got IPX5 waterproof rating. So if you're poolside, beachside, uh, in the rain, it's going to handle this, not a problem. Now, it is 51.4 centimetres long. It's a more a, more a boombox, a ghetto blaster-sized device. 21 centimetres wide, 24.1 centimetres tall, weighing a hefty 8.2 kilograms. But there is a shoulder strap and a handle, so it's easy to carry it with you anywhere despite its, its, its large size. The XXL has quadruple drivers on board as well as a subwoofer, so not only is it big, it produces a big sound as well. You can control everything from the Braven Audio Player app so it can you can access your own music or your favorite streaming services. There's even an adjustable equalizer so you can tweak the treble, adjust the bass to suit your music tastes. But it doesn't stop there. There's a 15,600 milliamp hour battery on board, which means the Braven XXL is going to power on for up to 14 hours. But not only that, there are USB ports on the back of this bad, this bad boy for you to charge up your smartphone or your tablet or any other USB-powered device. This can charge it as well. There's a little tray on top that allows you to position your tablet or your smartphone so you can see what's playing or you can position it up there if that happens to be getting a charge at that time. The Braven XXL, this is a go big or go home Bluetooth speaker. Priced at $549.99, which is, look, when when you consider what you're getting, that's not bad value because there are speakers that are tiny that still cost $400. This is a massive speaker. There is a picture on Tech Guide of it between a man and a woman at a campsite just to give it some kind of scale. This is a big speaker. The Braven BRV XXL, if you want to read more about it, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is also proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you, your family, and your devices safe online. Now, there's a lot of valuable stuff that we store in our computers. It's family photos, videos, tax documents, work documents, important stuff. But what would you do if all of a sudden it was all gone? All that stuff was gone, encrypted and impossible to retrieve. Well, That, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is called ransomware. That's malware that locks you out of your own files, then demands that you pay up or lose access to them forever. Ransomware is on the rise in Australia. In fact, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware uh, ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Don't become a victim. Norton Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware by identifying and warning you against these dodgy files before you click and backing up your files from your PC to the cloud so you'll always have a copy if anything goes wrong. To learn more about how to protect your online life, visit au.norton.com. Answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. And on the Tech Guide Help Desk, I had an interesting question from a reader asking about buying not a massive TV. It was, the question was about a 40-inch TV. Now, they said they weren't interested in being a smart TV. They were interested, though, in watching sport on that 40-inch TV. 
So my reply to this uh, to this question was: being forty, but a forty inch TV, I don't think it's necessary to go to four K. You don't find many TVs actually at that size that are four K or ultra HD because at forty inches it's pretty hard to tell the difference between full HD and four K because there just simply aren't enough pixels. The pixels are so small it's very hard to tell the difference. When you can tell the difference if if this person was asking about a fifty inch TV and above, then most definitely I would suggest go four K because you will see the difference on those larger televisions. Now, on uh, the other part of the question was the TV is going to be used for watching a lot of sport. Now, when you watch sport or uh, action movies, any any kind of fast image on the screen needs a high refresh rate. Now, the refresh rate on a television is measured in hertz. So I recommended to going for a high refresh rate TV, so perhaps a 200 hertz TV that has more refreshments per second than a 100 hertz TV, double in fact. So with this higher refresh rate, you get a smoother image so that those fast there's no there'll be no image judder if you're you're watching like a fast paced game a league or whatever happens sport you happen to be enjoying AFL all these sports very fast pace you want the screen to be able to keep up with the action and give you a smooth image as well. Same thing goes if you're watching action movies, you know, those far high-paced films, a lot of action going on on the screen, a lot of movement. Higher Hertz TVs can handle that, give you a smoother result. Now, the other, the question also asked about the name brands tend to be uh, a little bit more expensive, which is which is to be expected because the Samsung, Sony, Panasonic, uh, LG, they produce better TVs. They produce the best TVs and, of course, can charge a premium. My advice to, uh, to the reader was to, to, to give other brands, other Chinese brands and quality Chinese brands a go as well. Companies like TCL, Haya, Hisense, these brands offer great value for money, especially in these smaller size. So the 40-inch size, you could save hundreds of dollars if you opt to to choose one of those other brands. But the best advice would be to go into a store, stand in front of these TVs, and look at the picture quality for yourself. I've always said picture quality is a very subjective thing. How you see a picture and how I see a picture, I may think it's great. You may think it's terrible. That's why you need to go into a store, stand in front of the screen and judge for yourself. Maybe even take in some material that you know very well, maybe a movie on Blu-ray that you know very well so it can give you an appreciation of the quality of the image of that television. That's the best advice, and you stay tuned to Tech Guide. We do a lot of TV reviews. There will be some more in the near future. We have in the past reviewed uh, OLED TVs, the latest Samsung TVs. We've checked out all Sony's television as well, LG. All of them we, we take a look at and we'll continue to do here at techguide.com.au. And that is our show for this week. You can read about everything, as usual, that we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, please send us an email at info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can help keep you, your family, and your devices safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been great having you with us once again, and we look forward to you joining us again next week for Episode 202. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 